Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. He's saying, look, I've given you life. I've given you a body. You don't trust me to give you, you know, what you need to sustain the life and provide for the body? If we understand that life physically is a gift from God, and then life spiritually, yet another gift from God, well, we ought to be able to trust Him with all and for all that we need. Stressed or Blessed, part two of his message from Matthew 6, 25-34, and also a fair question for each of us to ask ourselves. If our answer is stressed more than blessed, today's teaching is not to condemn us, but to give us some practical wisdom in being blessed instead. Good friends of Jesus often hosted him there in the house, and, and uh, at one point, Martha is busy serving. Now, she's just cooking something up for the Lord, and Mary's sitting there at the feet of Jesus, and Martha gets upset, and she comes out and says, Tell her to get with the program, in essence, you know. I'm just working out here, stressing and striving, trying to take care of you, and she isn't doing nothing. What's the Lord's response to that? Martha, Martha, you're upset, you're distracted, anxious. It's the same word about many things. But Mary has chosen the better part, he says. One thing is needful, and she's chosen it. I won't take it from her. Now, that has a direct application to many here today, and here's why. I know lots of you serve here in the body, and and lots of you serve outside of the body. You're servants. I know that. I know that God is making you more like Jesus, who is the ultimate servant. And as you serve, sometimes it becomes stressful. And if you serve for wrong motivations, it's stressful right away. Like if you sign up to serve and you think, wow, everyone's going to notice what a servant I am and nobody seems to notice. You're just there doing it and you're like, where's all the adoration? Where's all the praise? Where's the pat on the back? It ain't coming. Well, you're going to get stressed out quick. But even if your motivation is right, even if you're doing the right thing for the right reason, ultimately you will find yourself a little pressed, a little pushed. And when you grow anxious, the Lord would be saying the same thing to you. Listen, what do you really need when you're serving and your cup is empty? You need to sit at the feet of Jesus. You need to just soak up all he has for you. You need to just rest and relax before him. And that's supposed to be what we do as we gather together here. Now, these seats are so comfortable. Some people get a little more rest than they're supposed to. Some of you learn a lot. Others wake up refreshed and... But but the bottom line is, God gives his loved ones rest. When Moses stood there at the the, the edge of the Red Sea and and the enemies in hot pursuit and the people all gathered around him, they're freaking out and they're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? He's like, be calm. Everything's cool. And then he goes into the Lord and says, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And the Lord just says, stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you. And I think to some of us, he's just saying, hey, just settle down. Just stand still. Just relax. Just rest. Why? Well, all the problems of the world are going to continue on. All the stuff that you face and deal with, it's going to keep coming. But you need to know, I need to know, we need to know, we're in his hands. He's going to take care not only of us, but of those situations 
Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing. Same exact concept. Don't stress. Don't strive. Don't be anxious. Just rest and relax. Turn those cares, he says, into prayers. And then he promises, not that you'll understand what's going on, but he'll give you a peace that passes understanding. That's his promise. So first of the the four commands that we consider here is stop worrying. And he says this, by the way, over and over throughout the text. Now, the second thing he tells us to do is to look. And the word actually means to look and, and learn from. See the lesson in. Look at the birds of the air, verse 26. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they. He's saying, look at the birds and, and, and figure it out. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, and yet they're cared for, they're provided for. Now, we mentioned this last time. What this isn't is a lesson on laziness. Because if you consider the birds, they still go out to get the worms. You know, They still go out and get the berries. They're busy, but they're not striving. They're active, but they're not stressing. And that's really what the lesson is. I've noticed that it's often at those times where I'm doing nothing, I'm the most stressed. If I busy myself doing something, then, well, in and of itself, that can be stress relief. But when I sit and I'm thinking, how will this work out? And what's going to happen here? And Lord, how's this supposed to come together? I'm even including him in the stressful conversation, so I know he's there. But I'm not always remembering that, hey, he's not just listening. He's the solution. Well, he says, look, learn from the birds of the air. They're not sowing. They're not reaping. They're not gathering. And and here's the clue. Here's the key. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. And are you not of more value than they? Two things. If you have yielded your life to the Lord Jesus, if you've been born again of his spirit, The Bible says God the Father is now your heavenly Father. Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, came down to this earth, born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless, spotless life, dies a substitutionary sacrifice, rises again the third day, and then he offers us forgiveness and pardon of sin. And uh, while it's popular but unbiblical theology today that we're all children of God, Biblical theology says in order to be a child of God, you've got to be born into the family of God. You must be born again. Jesus said that to a very religious man, to a very spiritual man, to a leader of the people chosen by and blessed by God, teacher of the law. He said, Nicodemus, even you must be born again. And so perhaps today we're talking about how to deal as a believer and you're thinking, I'm not sure I'm even in that category. Well, you want to make sure that you deal with that issue before we conclude our time together. That's sort of step one. If you don't do that, all trying to do the rest of this is never going to work because it's like you won't be connected to or tapped into the power that makes it all possible. But but he does tell us that we can learn from the birds because, hey, Doesn't our Lord tell us that not a sparrow falls to the ground that that he doesn't take notice? I mean, he is aware of everything going on everywhere on this planet. And, And he's aware of your needs and your concerns. And so he says, how much more? And then which of you by worrying can add one cubit 
to his stature. This really is translated two different ways, and I bring this to your attention because if you have like New Living Translation, I think it says one hour to your life or something along those lines. And I want to tell you, both of those are good translations. It's one of the places where the word translated stature could go either way. It could be talking about, well, and, and, and that's how this has mostly been understood. Nobody here is going to be able to make themselves half a yard taller by worrying. But no one here is going to be able to make their life any longer by worrying. In fact, we're told that worry actually shortens life. And at the same time, it robs you of a quality of life in the meantime. Now, the only upside to that is if you're worrying all the time and, and so you don't have a very good quality of life, finding out it's going to be shorter might be some relief to you. But I don't think that that's actually what God intends. No, he wants you to have a quality of life now and a quantity of life in the future. He doesn't want us to shorten our life or think that we could stress and grow or stress and continue. No, we're going to live as long as he wants us on this planet. But worry, worry, stress, strife, well, they're going to be great thieves and uh, in robbing us. So in any case, he goes on to say, um, let's see how far do we get down. Oh, don't worry about clothing. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, it's interesting that he chooses Solomon for his example. Because if you're familiar with Solomon, son of David, second of the kings that God actually, um, well, actually third king, but, but second in that line, the Davidic line that God ordained. And, and uh, sort of like Saul, he was the people's choice. You know, he would have been the, the you know, American hero if it was us. And, and he was sort of elected to the position. But David was a man after God's heart, chosen for the position. His son Solomon follows in his footsteps. And when God comes to him and says, Solomon, Tell me what you want. I'll give you anything you want. He says, you know, it, it, this is a big responsibility going before your people, leading your people. He goes, give me an understanding heart. Now, now remember this because it, it will factor in when we get a little bit further down. But, but at this point, he's just saying Solomon, who was the richest or one of the richest men and certainly the wisest man that ever lived, he was never more gloriously arrayed more beautifully dressed than, than just the fields of flowers. And, and so he's arguing again from this, you know, lesser to the greater. Hey, if God clothes the fields, how much more you? And Solomon and all his glory, and by the way, when he asked for, well, just give me an understanding heart, God says, because you didn't ask for long life or riches or these other things, I'm going to not only grant your request, but I'm going to give you all this to boot. I'm going to throw all this in as well. And we're going to see that he gives us a very clear command. And then he gives us a promise when we get down toward the end of all this that says, if we're putting first things first, then we're going to get all the rest in thrown in. But if we go after the rest, well, we're going to lose all of it. So he says, not only will worry keep us from experience in any growth or it can't lengthen our life or make us any taller and why would we worry about what we wear they 
lilies of the field, they neither toil nor spin, and yet Solomon in all his glory, not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, verse 30, which is today, or today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So, here's what he does at this point. As he deals with clothing and such, even as he did with food, he says, hey, birds, they don't sow a reaper store. And when it comes to clothing, he says, the fields, hey, God just clothes them gloriously. Knowing that this stuff could be cut down, used for fuel the next day, doesn't matter to God. He still does a beautiful job. And so, he says, remember Solomon, first of all. And then he says, relax. Again, arguing from the lesser to the greater. If he takes care of the field, he's going to clothe you. And then he exposes the real problem when he says, how much more, verse 30, there in that last little part of verse 30, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? He's saying that the real problem we're struggling with, if we're stressed out, if we're striving, if we're worried, is that we're really not trusting the Lord. That, that, that it's unbelief. Now, now here's the thing. We come to the Lord in prayer. Anybody here ever go pray fully expecting that the Lord, or, you know, just thinking there's no way the Lord's going to answer, but, you know, I'll go ahead and pray anyway. No. We pray because we know the Lord listens and we know the Lord cares and we know that he'll answer. But oftentimes when we pray, although we know what he can do and we know what he might do, we don't really expect him to answer our prayers in the affirmative. And it's not because of anything wrong with him. It's because we feel unworthy of those blessings. And here's the deal. Once we come to grips with this, it really helps. It opens up something for us. We are unworthy of those blessings. We're unworthy of the gift of everlasting life. But he's saying he's given you life, so can't you trust him to give you the rest? Everything that pertains to life, everything necessary for life, everything that will lead you into abundant life. You see, he doesn't give it to you because you're worthy. He gives it to you because he's good, because he's faithful. Because he can, and he delights in blessing his children. When we get into the next chapter, we're going to get to this one part where he asks some questions, and, and he asks, what man of you, if his son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked him for a fish, would give it a serpent? And, and then he says, and if you being evil give good things to your children, that's so important, how much more can we trust our Heavenly Father to give us all we need? We, being evil, provide for our kids. I know there are some people that don't provide for their children, but I doubt if that's you. Man, if you're here and you're studying the Bible and you know that you're made by God and for God and your kids are a gift from God, you're going to be taking care of those kids. You're going to be providing for them. But, but he's saying you're evil and you care for your kids and you don't think God, who's perfect, will care for his kids? Well... He goes on then to say, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after these things, verse 32, the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows you have need of these things. He gives us again two more reasons to stop worrying. And so he said, stop worrying first of all, look and learn, consider Look and learn from the birds. Consider the lilies and learn from them. And now he says, 
two things to us that are, no, they're very practical. He says, if we're still striving, struggling, worrying, stressing, he says, that's how we lived as unbelievers. This word Gentiles, for our purposes, should just be translated pagan or unbeliever. Why? He was addressing a Jewish crowd at this point. And so the Jews knew God. They had the law. They had a knowledge. They had a history. And he's saying, what's the difference in you and a Gentile? A Gentile doesn't have all that. And he's saying the Gentiles are all about temporal things, but you need to be about spiritual things, eternal things. And in the midst of that, and in the midst of that, what he's saying is, these are the things that you went after before you knew me. So why go after them now that you know me? How could it be, as he said, that anyone could serve two masters? If we're serving him, well, then we can trust him to take care of us. Anybody here been in the military, you know that they expect a lot of you, but you get a lot from them. They provide everything for you, including a schedule. They tell you when you can get up. They tell you when you can go to bed. They tell you what you're going to do all day long, but they provide everything you need to do it. And really, that's how God is. He just gives us a lot more freedom. But when we understand he's Lord, when we call him Lord, well... Then, then he says, we shouldn't be living as we did when we were unbelievers. And then again, he says, for your heavenly father, reminding us that we didn't just join the Lord's service. No, we've been born again into the family of God. Your heavenly father knows you need all these things. All what things? Food, clothing, drink. Hey, he knows you need housing and in, in a job. He knows you need a, a running vehicle or at least a good bicycle if you live close to work. God knows your needs, whatever they are. And he says, so worry is inconsistent with calling on him, trusting in him, following after him. Your heavenly father knows you need all these things. You know, use the same type of terminology, phraseology, right before we got into the, the Lord's Prayer where he said, hey, don't use vain repetition. Why? The Lord knows what you need before you ask. He knows what you need. So finally, we get to this last verse, and it's kind of good. We're going to have time for communion, and, and I like that. He says, therefore, oh, not the last verse. Can't skip over probably the most important verse here. Verse 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom. All he's saying is make spiritual realities, eternal realities, your priorities. Seeking the kingdom, we talked about this, I think, a few weeks back, but doesn't hurt to, to consider it afresh. To seek the kingdom. If you're an unbeliever, you're seeking the Lord, the, the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when you're born again by the Spirit of God, when you do realize, man, I, I need to give my life to the Lord, well, then you become a part of the kingdom of God. Now, he rules and reigns in your life. So as a believer, to seek the kingdom means to really yield yourself even more to the king, to, to put his priorities before yours, his desires before yours. It's exactly what he's been saying to us all along. So when we seek first the kingdom, we're saying, Lord, I want to make sure I'm in the kingdom, and then I want to make sure that I'm really yielded to you, the king of kings, that, that I'm really serving you and not myself, not my own thing. 
And then we're also to be expanding the kingdom. How do we do that? Just by sharing that Jesus is the Savior, that he is the Lord, that he is the King of Kings, that he not only came and was born and lived and died for our sins and rose again and ascended, he's coming again. And we were told to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now he's saying not only pray that, but seek it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When we first began our study of the Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed is he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, for he shall be filled. And so he's saying, hunger and thirst, go after that, a rightness with him, a right relationship with him, and then a right relationship with other people. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And even as Solomon said, Lord, give me an understanding heart. All these things, God says, I'll add on to you. That's what he says here. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, our conclusion, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. A couple of thoughts. He's not saying don't worry because God will worry for you. No, God's never worried. And, and, and he's personifying tomorrow and really saying, let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow do all the worrying. Why? Tomorrow will always be a day ahead. And we'll never catch up with it. So he's saying, look it, you're in God's hands now, so why worry? And, and don't worry about well, tomorrow, because, well, tomorrow will worry for itself. And then he says, each day has its own troubles, its own problems. If I'm all stressed out about what's going to happen next week or next month, I really should be just thinking about, Lord, what do you got today? Why? Today is enough. He has enough. The world has enough. There's plenty today to deal with. One last thing, though, when it comes to this area of worry and stress. I heard about a guy who was just so stressed out. His friend said, you got to get help. you got to get help. And he was just haggard. He was so stressed. And, and he sees his friend a few days later, and the guy just looks great. And he's like, man, what did you do? He goes, I'm paying this guy 500 bucks a day to worry for me. And he's like, 500 bucks a day? How in the world are you going to pay that? He goes, hey, that's for him to worry about. <laughs> But I think the Lord would really be saying that to us today. Listen, it's in his hands. If there is going to be any worrying, let him do it. Why? He's not going to do it. And he doesn't want you to do it. Don't stress out. Don't strive. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Sit at the feet of the Lord and just soak in his goodness. And we're going to be sharing in communion a great opportunity to do that very thing. Now, I personally have found it helpful that when God confronts me on an issue, like I already shared, so I don't have to go learn the hard way, to just humbly and quietly and just between you know me and the Lord to say, Lord, forgive me for stressing out. For forgive me for worrying unnecessarily. For forgetting that, man, you've got it all in control. I gave my life to you. You're responsible for me now. And yes, I need to do this and do that and take care of this, but, but Lord, I'm yours. And I need to remember it and you need to remember it. So maybe there are some today who'd say, I've been really stressed and this is exactly what I needed to hear. And Lord, thank you for speaking to me and, and de-stress me now. I just want to rest in you. I just want to reflect on you. And, and Lord, I just want to focus in this moment on all you've done for me and, and all you've spoken to me.
And if you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus, listen, there's reason for you to be stressed. The wages of sin is death. And all of sin had come short of the glory of God. And, and, but the gift of God, everlasting life. So rather than worrying about the future, rather than worrying about how will I ever get right with the Lord or be good enough for the Lord, or no, just give your life to the Lord. You become His, His child, His property, His problem, and He'll work through all the rest with you. Each of my own children have told me how much they miss the simplicity of childhood when they were unburdened by the cares and stresses that they now carry as adults. In Matthew 18.3, Jesus tells us we must become as little children. Now perhaps part of that is placing the burdens of adulthood onto the shoulders of our Lord who carries them willingly and capably. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico and you can visit our website ccchico.com or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.